On this week's Friday Fix... For me, I think if you're a mid-cap to a sub-billion pound company on London, listed in London, I think personally that you're far better off being private. I think the benefits of being private versus public massively outweighs. Welcome to the latest episode of Powers Court's Friday Fix. I'm Victoria Palmer-Moore, Managing Partner at Powers Court. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Mervyn Metcalf, founder of Dean Street Advisors and a former colleague from mighty Merrill Lynch. Mervyn founded Dean Street in 2012 with Graham Atkinson, another super experienced investment banker. And Dean Street is a corporate advisory firm here in London. But when I met up with Mervyn recently, we talked about the take private P2P environment and whether tougher borrowing conditions were putting a break on deal flow. So I thought he'd be a perfect guest to talk to Powers Court listeners today. First of all, Mervyn, tell us a bit about yourself and what Dean Street Advisory does. Morning. I've been a banker now for coming on 29 years. Started at BZW, which sadly now is gone. Then moved briefly to Croke Suisse for about a week before then headhunted to Merrill, where I was 11 years, and then was headhunted to run an existing boutique for a couple of years. And then during that time planned and then subsequently set up Dean Street. So Dean Street's now coming on 11 years old. We focus on generating proprietary ideas for our clients. So we typically avoid auctions but more try and identify deal situations that could be interesting, typically to private equity. So we work with some of the largest private equity firms in London and the world, and we're sector neutral, but we're all about trying to identify interesting deal opportunities, which hopefully are beneficial for both buyer and seller. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing an increase in deal flow, given this wall of money we often hear about on the private equity side? So it's quite interesting. People commented last year that they expected quite a lot of deals to take place. And there was a lot less than everyone thought. And I think partly because a lot of the funds then were fundraising. I think at one stage they were north of 10 funds, each raising north of 10 billion. So everyone is out looking for for new capital. And the problem is when a fund is fundraising, they're much more reluctant to necessarily announce a deal because it might impact their fundraising conversation. So even if it's a straight down the fairway, perfect deal for that particular fund, they worry that if we announce that, and potential investors say, why did you do that? Da, da, da. We had a couple of deals last year, which, you know, both would have been ideal assets for that particular fund, both are fundraising and said we couldn't do it. So that, I think, held back quite a lot of deal activity in the first half of last year. And then we came through, I think, one of the quietest summer. Everyone took summer off post-COVID. It was sort of the first real summer. And then we came back and we had the Queen's funeral. We had Liz Trust. We had inflation coming through and the whole world all seemed really rather horrible. Um, looking at this year, I think it's a very different situation. You know, a lot of the big funds now have raised, they've got capital. And if you've got the capital raised or allocated, you sort of need to spend it. So they're now thinking, what are the interesting things we can go after? Um, I guess the issue has been, is their debt? So a lot of the traditional lenders aren't there. There's a lot of non-traditional lenders that are very much available. People like Aries, HBS, ICG, Carlyle, who've all got capital. So, you know, that is debt availability. I'd say in the short term just now, SVB and CS going under has maybe put a bit of a pause on people's activity. I don't think that's a long-term thing. I think it's a short-term, let's get through Easter, let's just see how the market stabilises. But my sense is very much that the private equity community is very much open to look at interesting deal opportunities. And how does the UK look versus Europe in terms of valuations, availability of capital, companies wanting to sell. What's specific about the UK market at the moment? If you look at it from a public market perspective, the UK is very cheap at the moment. Versus European industries? Particularly versus the US. And the US. 
And that's what my most notable supply and demand is that the amount of capital allocation towards the UK market, mid cap, wherever it might be, has dropped dramatically through partly redemptions, partly through capital allocations. So just the the wall of money is just a lot less in the UK market. And, you know, frankly, a lot of this is a little bit about supply and demand. So in the US, there's just a lot more money and that obviously drives much more towards valuation. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the UK market is looking, you know, relatively cheap. Is it cheap from a from an international buyer perspective? So is, does the UK look cheap? I think that only really works if you're a dollar-based fund buying a UK asset. It is only cheap if ultimately the asset is making dollar revenues. But if it's ultimately making sterling, it doesn't really make much of a difference. It's just, you know, it's just downgraded appropriately. How a lot of people are thinking about this is that you know, sterling looks cheap relative to the dollar and the, you know, over the medium term. So they're not factoring it into their returns, but... There's a little bit back of the head that, well, Sterling might appreciate a little bit. We might get some kicker, but it's not something we can mm. we can guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's the factors affecting the buyer. That, you know, that we've got depressed valuations. It's an attractive market. But what about for the seller? Is there less of an interest to be listed now in the London Stock Exchange? So I'd say I meet quite a lot of public company CEOs, and I'd say pretty much all of them are not particularly happy with being quoted right now mm. is i don't think it's a particularly great place to be if you think back you know what, what what's a good thing about being listed you have liquidity you have profile being you know quoted in the london market you have the ability to incentivize your staff and you have long-term ownership but i think that I, i'm not sure any of those are quite working at the moment i think the incentivization thing is is tough you know there's lots of you know pushback in terms of people are being paid i think having liquidity and having a currency you can actually do some M&A with is quite tough. If you're a public company, you want to buy something versus a sponsor trying to buy the same asset, would people rather have your quoted equity or just take the cash? I think people rather take the cash, frankly, right now. Look, for me, I think if you're a mid-cap, sort of sub-billion pound company on London, listed in London, I think personally think you're far better off being private. I think the benefits of being private versus public massively outweigh. So if you look at some of the better funds, you know, you've got someone who's committed capital particularly you know their own money in some respects and they're sat alongside you so everyone's got the same focus in terms of how do we create value you've got an infrastructure that is there to help the portfolio companies so a lot of the big funds nowadays have you know experts in in data and tech in supply chain management whatever it might be and they come in they're, they're a really good resource i think for a company you don't have the reporting sort of onerous requirements. If you look at some of the reporting accounts coming in now, they're hundreds and hundreds of pages long. You know, do they actually help anyone really understand the company? Probably not. You've got a shareholder base that is supportive and there long term. So if something comes up like an M&A opportunity, they're there to help you think about, you know, how we fund that and does it make sense? If you miss your numbers, given the inflation environment, we're in the sort of resource environment, you know, as a it's not difficult to miss numbers. Right now in a public market, you know, A, you've got to announce almost immediately because that's the rules. And then, you know, you get hit because your shareholders then feel unnerved. Whereas in a private environment, you can work through your, with your shareholders and think through, you know, what's the right course of action? Let's not rush into it. Let's try and fix it. I just think generally it's a much more pleasurable, easier environment to work in in terms of creating value for, you know, all stakeholders. What can the London market do? What can the regulator do to fix this this issue? Because it doesn't look great for the future of the IPO market and bringing, you know, new companies on kind of feels it needs a sort of deep-seated review in terms of... Well, we've had know, so many reviews. But I'm not sure any of an action there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, look, I don't think I don't think this current government, in whichever shape or form you look at, has particularly done much to really in, talk to the city. Mm. 
I think there hasn't been much of a dialogue. Yes, I'm not going down politics, but as a Labour event yesterday, and Gordon Brown's comment to uh, the particular MP is that stay close to the city, and that a lot of the stuff that they did during their term is because he stayed close to the city. I don't get the sense the current incarnation of government has had those dialogue for some considerable time. I think, look, research isn't helpful. MIFID too, I think, hasn't been particularly helpful in terms of access mm. to research. Is it, is it easy to roll that back? Uh, well, technically with Brexit, we should be able to do all these yeah. things, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just think it, the, the London market just feels very inflexible, doesn't feel, it feels quite regulated in terms of, you know, disclosure of information, but not so useful information. So, you know, the ESG report is, what, 100 pages in a, in a, in a reporting accounts nowadays. Is that really helping anyone? You don't want to mention any names, but sort of deals that you're looking at at the moment and why they, they may or may not happen. But is anything specific to... So that? Like, there's certain sectors which are very attractive at the moment. Yeah, so I think B2B outsourcing uh, services, people seem quite keen to sort of spend time around. Mm. And anything consumer-related is tougher for obvious reasons. Okay. Financial services, people quite like that sort of sector that's still keen to seem to be quite mm-hmm. positive. I once had a, a private equity firm come in and tell me that they wanted to by great companies with great management team with, with international growth opportunities, which like, well done, thanks, that's a good idea. <laughs> we all want those. Oh, we all want those. Uh, but that's broadly the theme, right? You want, I mean, look, I mean, for, for public to privates, I think the trick there is getting a management team that want to do it because they're not the easiest necessarily in the world and they're complicated and there's various issues. But as a management team, if you can see the benefits of being private versus public, then it's about finding the right partner to, to work with you to do that, to make that happen mm-hmm. in terms of financial partner. And what are usually the stumbling blocks to those those deals not happening is it is it them being leaked too early does that does that get in the way what sort of what's the, the, thing the, the biggest them? risk of a leak i think is if the board might be speaking to someone and they've done exec on to wear a bit mm. so i think people being caught off guard internally i think i've seen scupper deals yes so it's very important for people to be in so the loop. yeah right. but again you might be having initial conversations and not necessarily told your chair and you're not exec and that can be a bit a source of an issue. I think there's the over-promising, over-commitment in terms of, you know, I think we can get to this, but actually when you drill down into the detail, it's not there. So I think there's a degree of being honest in any initial conversation that this is where we might be able to get to, because ultimately, you know, uh, for, for idea of how there's a ton of diligence that takes place and people forensically drill into all of that. So I think a little bit of over-promising, actually, when it comes to it not quite being there, I think I've seen kill deals. I think I'm less worried about financing necessarily killing stuff because, you know, if, if, if someone wants to do something, there is capital, people mm-hmm. will make that happen. That's what about of, chemistry between the... Chemistry, I think, yeah, fundamentally is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like a marriage because you're going to work with those people for five, four, five, six years. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to know you can get on with them. And a lot of the job that we do, I think, and where I think we've been successful in getting deals done is identifying who would get on best with the counterparty. Because if you think about it, if you're the partner in the private equity firm leading the deal, you've got to get through your committee and convince your other partners that this is the right team to back. And similarly, if you're the company that's being potentially acquired, you want to feel comfortable that that person's got your back. And if, you know, frankly, if something goes wrong, you can go out for a beer, talk about how you fix it, and then find a solution or for that matter you know you've got really big aspirations and you feel that you know everyone's aligned to really achieve that whether it be consolidation whatever mm. it might be so the, the chemistry element mm. is the most important thing in some respect yeah
Fantastic. Well, I think that's a great walkthrough of the, the current environment. And I think it's going to be potentially a very busy year, given where we are. And hopefully once the mini banking crisis resumes, then... Version 4.2. Then, yeah. Yeah, then it's, uh, it's, it's an open market again. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure.